Hey, precious family, it is month end and as is customary, we do a quick message on tithing and giving, which if you understand how the kingdom of God works, is really a vehicle for God to provide for his children and not to take money away from them. You see, family, the spiritual laws of faith can be quite a paradox. What I mean is, when we consider it in relation to natural laws, it is a paradox. Think about it for a moment. In the natural, we say that we will believe it when we see it, right? But faith says that we must believe it before we see it and walk by faith and not by sight. And scripture says that instead of looking at what we can see in the natural, we must fix our eyes on the unseen and what we can't see. So the doctor's report says that you are sick, but the scripture says that you were healed and you are healed. And the world says that we must chase off the success and pursue worldly goods in order to receive them. But Jesus said that we must pursue him and his kingdom and way of doing things as a priority. And then these things will come automatically. So it's an absolute paradox to the natural laws. In scripture, we see the example of how God wants to take care of his children. This is awesome. The next few scriptures. We see firstly in the example of the Israelites who were walking through the desert for 40 years and how God provided daily for their needs. And this was through supernatural means providing manna from heaven. Now this manna could not be stored and if they tried it would go rotten and it would get maggots. So God was teaching them to depend upon him each and every day for their provision. And I believe with all my heart that we are in a season where only those who are depending 100% on God as their provider will make it. You see, we see another wonderful account in scripture. This blew me away when Jesus sends his disciples out, which really is a picture, an example of how he wants to take care of his children today. We read from Luke 9 verse 3 in the ESV and it says, And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread or no money, and do not have two tunics. Now, this is very carefully and detailed instructions from Jesus Christ saying that on your journey, don't depend on anything else other than me. No staff for protection, no bag for supplies, no bread for eating, no money to depend upon or even extra clothes. This is complete and absolute dependence upon Jesus in every area of our lives. And we see the result of this in Luke 22 verse 35 in the ESV. Jesus speaking, so wonderful, he said this, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. Isn't that absolutely amazing and encouraging? Jesus is saying, do not depend on anything else in this world apart from me. 
And I want to ask you today, who or what are you depending upon for all your needs? Is it the world system or is it by absolute faith in Jesus like those disciples? You see, family, it is either one or the other. Cannot be both. If you are depending upon the world for all of these things and not Jesus Christ, then along with the world, you will fail. And now more than ever, we need to be completely trusting in Jesus Christ without compromise. Matthew 6 verse 24 in the New King James Version, listen to this carefully. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Wow. Now many translations say money instead of mammon, which isn't correct. Because Jesus was very specific when he said mammon. Because mammon is actually an ancient Syrian demon god that people used to worship and trust in for their money. So Jesus is making a very precise point saying that there's no gray area when it comes to money and provision. You are either serving Jesus by trusting in him for your provisions or you are serving this demon God by trusting in it for your provision. And if you are not totally trusting in God, you are by default trusting in man. You can't serve the one or the other. You're either going to love the one and hate the other. And this is actually a very deep teaching by Jesus that many people so often miss. Now, in Matthew 23, verse 23, in the New Living Translation, Jesus was addressing the Pharisees who were tithing, but they were failing in other areas. So Jesus said this, couldn't be more clear than this. This is the words of Jesus. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, this is a very clear commandment by Jesus Christ. You should tithe, yes. And really, there is no way to spin or twist this New Testament instruction, or rather a commandment by Jesus. But then many people will say, yes, but he says there's more important things. And yes, you're right. Just like we shouldn't murder is more important than we shouldn't commit adultery, but they are both commandments and neither is acceptable. So if Jesus said we should tithe, then guess what? We should tithe purely out of obedience and it's just that simple. We can look at another New Testament example where Jesus in a similar light gives an example of someone who is doing everything right but failing on one more important issue, same as the one before. Luke 18 verse 11 in the NIV. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I, I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an uh, adulterer. I'm, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tithe, a tenth on everything I get. So this Pharisee was on track. He didn't rob people. He didn't commit adultery, adultery, nor was he an evildoer. He fasted and he tithed on everything he got of which all commandments of Jesus Christ, yet he was self-righteous. 
comparing himself with others. So yes, just like we must refrain from robbing people and committing adultery, we must also tithe according to Jesus. Family, obedience is absolutely paramount in God's eyes. As a Christian, and we can't call ourselves Christians and disobey our Lord because then He is not our Lord. And we are outside of His provision. And many people say, well, I can't afford to tithe. And I know how you feel. I was there myself and still there. And that's just a lie from the devil. Because you don't, if you don't tithe, then you are believing more in your money, mammon, to take care of you. You're saying that 10%, I need that 10% more than I need God. That 10% can do more for me than God can. Mammon can do more for me. You are serving mammon. But when we tithe and we give, we throw all our chips in saying, Lord, it's you we depend upon. In faith, just like those disciples who entrusted everything to Jesus and not trusting in our money to provide for us. So family, be bold in your faith. Make a decision not to be a fake, faithless and disobedient Christian and dive right into the complete and absolute faith and obedience and trust in Jesus. You need to now more than ever and make a decision to give mammon a black eye today for the rest of your life and shift your focus. You can never be on faith, in faith in Jesus unless you act in faith and trust in Jesus to take care of your every need. And yes, I know it's scary. That's because tithing is a product of faith. But I would much rather be walking on water with Jesus Christ in faith than sitting in the boat alone. What about you? Family, ever since I got this revelation of tithing almost 20 years ago, I've never, ever missed a tithe. And I teach my kids this. I'm not trying to get money from them. I'm trying to teach them for their own good. And as a businessman, I have had incredible highs, praise Jesus. And I've had incredible lows. I've lost businesses, houses, cars. I've gone through the most incredible challenges. And during those, I have seen many people around me going through the same challenges, even employees, even family, who don't tithe. And they have suffered tremendous lack. But I promise you, in and through all of these challenges, even going through the same challenges as other people, myself and my family have never ever lacked. Yes, it's been tough, but I promise you all our needs have always been met and often exceeded. But one thing for sure, God will always supernaturally come through for us like manna falling from heaven from the skies. And so I know without any doubt, family, hear me? I know without any doubt that tithing is crucial in order to access God's provision. And now more than ever, family, we need God's supernatural provision. Hey, family, welcome to another sermon or teaching from myself, Pastor Carl, here at Christ Encounter Ministries in Langebaan in the Western Cape. I am so glad that you have tuned in today or are listening to this message. Today's message is titled, 
the most important message of your life, part two. Now, last week I taught on a very powerful but very cutting message that the Lord had ministered to me and really affected my life tremendously and changed me forever. And really, this is exactly what the Word of God should do, and that is cut deep and expose the deep innermost areas of our life where we need fixing. Our first scripture of the day is Hebrews 4 verse 12 in the New Living Translation. It says this, For the Word of God is alive and it is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And this is exactly what last week's message done. It cut really, really deep, exposing our innermost thoughts, our desires, and exposing things in us that we didn't even know was there. And the Word of God shone light on us, exposing areas of darkness that we need to deal with. Now, family, many people realize just how far short they were falling, and even myself being one of them. But many people felt helpless because they knew by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they had to change. But it seemed like such an impossible task to walk in this love. And family, I know exactly how you feel because it is really difficult. But like any good surgeon, hear me, the Holy Spirit will not just cut us open and leave us exposed and convicted. No. He will gently help us to remove the darkness from us and stitch us back up again and then equip us to live out this life in love. He wouldn't expect us to live our lives in love if it were not possible, right? Of course not. So, Along with God's help and His instructions through the Word of God and most importantly, us doing exactly what the Word of God says, we will all become trophies of His love and grace. So family, please don't feel hopeless. Let us, you and me, allow the Holy Spirit to finish the work. Let's get back on the operating table today for more surgery as I continue through the guidance of the Holy Spirit to bring that two-edged scalpel and conduct surgery on us all, myself included, and be patient as the Holy Spirit will begin to stitch us up and equip us. But first, family, we need to cut deep. We need to expose and cut away everything that needs to be removed. But for now, let's you and me lay ourselves down on that operating table, open up our hearts and allow the most precious Holy Spirit full access today. No matter how much it hurts, knowing that it is for our own good. Now, family, last week we discussed Matthew 7 verse 21. And we will read through it now in the New Living Translation. It says, Not everyone 
who calls out to me, Jesus, Lord, Lord, these are Christians, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But Jesus will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow. And this is really a scripture that every serious Christian should take careful note of. Because we see how Christians who are functioning at a very high level of ministry, who we would all expect to be going to heaven, were in fact not. And they were on the path that seems right, but in the end leads only to death. Proverbs 14 verse 12 in the ESV. There is a way that seems right to man. It seems right. But in the end, when you breathe your last breath, it is the way to death. And so we began to dissect Matthew, those scriptures last week. And we took careful note of the two reasons why seemingly these awesome Christians who were prophesying, Casting out demons and even performing many miracles were in fact on the wide highway to hell that Jesus mentions in Matthew 7 verse 13 in the ESV. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to heck or hell is broad and its gate is wide. For the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life, eternal life, heaven, is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Wow. So Jesus is saying here that it's really easy to go to hell. It is the easy and the wide road, even called a highway. And most people will choose that road, as the scripture says, because it's the easy road that seems right. But family, the road to life and to heaven, it is a narrow road. Hear me, it is a difficult road. And because it's difficult, only a few people, that's what Jesus said, only a few people will find it. So we must be prepared to make difficult decisions. We must be prepared to make difficult sacrifices. We must be prepared to go against the flow of the highway to hell that most of this world is on if we want to be the few that makes it on the narrow and difficult road that Jesus is speaking about. So what were the reasons that those seemingly incredible men and women of God who 
thought and believed that they were on the narrow road were in fact on the highway to hell. Let's read again the last part of Matthew 7 verse 23 in the New Living Translation. Jesus said this, he said, but I will reply, number one, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So these were the two predominant reasons mentioned by Jesus Christ that although they were doing absolutely everything right, serving Jesus, they were Christians, casting out demons, healing the sick, prophesying, but yet because they were failing in these two critical areas, none of what they were doing really mattered. And we saw how on the first reason where Jesus said, point number one, I never knew you, was in fact these people were not functioning from a position of love. They were doing all of these wonderful things, but not living a life 100%, hear me, committed to God, and therefore 100% committed to living in love. Because scripture says in 1 John 4 verse 16 in the NLT, God is love. And we saw in scriptures that in order for us to truly know God without any doubt, and even to know that our very basic foundation of Christianity was intact, was loving one another. 1 John 4 verse 7 in the ESV. Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born again, has been born of God and knows God. Because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now Paul echoes exactly what Jesus was speaking about on the absolute importance of love over everything and anything else, even in ministry and without it. Everything we could ever, uh, ever do, even though we may be doing all these wonderful things, but apart from being birthed and covered in love, it is meaningless, absolutely meaningless. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 in the ESV. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am just a noisy gong or a clanging, irritating symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I had all faith so that I could even remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Wow. We as good Christians focus so much on trying to do all the right things. We focus on praying. We focus on building up our faith, studying the Word of God, trying to unwrap the many mysteries in the Holy Scriptures, even seeking and functioning in the Holy Spirit gifts. But unless our primary focus is not living our lives in love, treating everyone around us in love, 
if that's not prioritized over all things, then we have missed it by a mile. Family, if we are really honest with each other, most of us have missed it. Because I know that I have. That's where this message is coming from. So family, point number one, knowing God is loving one another. And loving one another is proof that we know God. Not only is it proof that we know God, it is even proof that we are on the narrow road to heaven that few ever find. Love is the proof of that. 1 John 3 verse 14 in the ESV. We know that we have passed out of death, out of the highway to hell, into life, the narrow difficult road, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides, lives in death on the wide road. But we also know, family, that the narrow road is going to be a difficult and a narrow road to follow, right? That's what Jesus said. But if we want to reap the rewards of eternal life and blessings here in this life, we need to make a conscious decision and hear me, a real effort to love everyone, especially the unlovable. Jesus said this in Matthew 5 verse 46 in the ESV. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Wow. So listen to this, child of God. Never forget this, what I'm about to tell you. The time where this love of God really counts the most and where it is most active, even to the point of unlocking rewards, is exactly and only in those times where it is the most difficult to love with the most unlovable people. These are the areas where we need to focus on the most and where we simply cannot afford to fail. And not loving will keep those rewards and the blessings locked up from you and me. And we will never, hear me, be able to experience the fullness of God's blessings in our lives if we are not constantly living in love. Now, according to God, to hate someone is an extremely serious offense. And we see this in 1 John 3 verse 15 in the NLT. Anyone, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers do not have eternal life within them. Wow. So to hate a brother or a sister is seen by God as committing murder against them. Just think about that for a moment. And to, I need you to let this sink in. Think about the act of murder. Physically killing another human being with deadly intent. Because murder is not manslaughter. It is physically killing someone. Like a, a serial killer murders people by strangling them or stabbing them and 
leaves a trail of murdered people. But family, the scary fact is that many Christians are spiritual serial killers at heart. Many even listening to me now or watching now are spiritual serial killers. You might say, Pastor Carl, now you have taken it too far. Have I really? Last week we analyzed the scriptural meaning of the word hate because there is a worldview and a perception of hate. And then there is God's view of hate. And the worldview of hate is disliking someone to the extent of wanting to physically kill them. That's to us is hate. But God's view or definition of hate is completely different. And we touched on that and defined that last week as hate in the Cambridge Dictionary says an intense dislike for someone. But or as the Greek word in scripture used for hate, which is messio, was defined as to persecute someone, meaning cutting someone off, saying bad things about someone, just persecuting them. And, and this blew me away, to love less. Wow. So God's measure between love and hate is not how we perceive it, moving from a position of love as a starting point and then disliking, disliking, disliking someone less and less, but staying in love until it reaches a low level of dislike and then becoming hate. No. And thinking only then you are out of love. No. God's measure is love. And anything less than love or anyone you love less is moving in the realm of hate. And we are therefore considered murderers. Wow. And as the scripture said, murderers do not have eternal life within living within them. Meaning we are then on the wide road or highway to hell, as scripture says. So then I ask you now, if you consider your life and how many people by virtue of loving them less or intensely disliking them or cutting them off or speaking bad about them. How many of those people do you have in your life? Then those are all your victims of a spiritual serial murder that you will and I will stand accountable for. So family, we go back to our founding scripture and we've established from Matthew 7 verse 23 in the NLT Jesus says, I will reply, I never knew you, get away from me, you who break God's laws. So the first reason that will keep you out of heaven and on the road of deception is not knowing God, which we have already determined as by not living 100% in love. Every moment out of abiding or living in love is out of abiding and living in God who is love. And then we are out of his will completely. 1 John 4 verse 16 in the ESV says this. It says, God is love. Whoever abides in love all the time abides in God. And then God will abide in him. Now we look at the second reason from the mouth of Jesus Christ. And that is those who break God's laws. So 
We know that God gave the Ten Commandments as the fundamental laws, right? We know that the Ten Commandments. So is Jesus saying in this scripture that the reason these apparent ministers were going to hell was because they were breaking the Ten Commandments specifically? Were they lying or stealing or committing adultery or idol worshipping? Maybe. Because these were some of the Ten Commandments. But is Jesus possibly referring to something else? Because a lot of these men and women of God called Jesus Christ Lord. Remember? Lord, Lord. And they thought they were on track, being very surprised at their destination of destruction. So surely as Christians, they would have abstained from these obvious commandments, right? So is there more to this breaking God's laws or commandments that Jesus was talking about? Let's look in scriptures to find the answers. In Matthew 22 verse 36, Jesus is being questioned by someone who was known as an expert in the law of God. We read that Matthew 22 verse 36 in the ESV. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. It's the same. It's equal to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So family, the greatest commandment in the law of God is to love God. And the second commandment is like the first, and that is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I find it so interesting how God shifts from loving, love your God, an invisible God, to giving us a natural perspective and an example on how to love others, which is how we love ourselves. Because it's hard to wrap our minds around and understand the measure of our love towards others if we compare it to the love of God. But to love others as we love ourselves really gives us a strong example to follow. Family, we should always judge ourselves on how we treat others. And consider if we would be happy being treated that way from others. Would we mind other people speaking about our personal information or our faults to other people? Would we mind that? Would we mind if we were somewhere and people were judging us and criticizing us in their thoughts? Like we judge and criticize other people in ours? Would we mind being lied to or adultery committed or being mistreated like we do to other people? Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 31 in the ESV, But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. And family, we all need to be aware and grow in this area. And if we are honest and truly judge ourselves, we will see that we all fall short, including me, and must improve. 
So we can see that the primary law or commandment is loving God and loving your neighbor, which your neighbor is all humanity. And they are equally important. So loving God and not man, hear me, loving God and not man would be breaking this equally important commandment. Jesus said this in John 13 verse 34 in the ESV. A new commandment. We had the Ten Commandments. Now he's giving us a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also, uh, also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So not only is loving your neighbor just as important as loving God, but it is a new commandment from Jesus Christ. And it is the sign that we are disciples, not prophesying, not casting out demons, not performing many miracles, that's all great. But fundamentally, loving the people around us, especially the unlovable, is the proof. Romans 13 verse 8 in the NLT. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation, your commandment to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you fulfill the requirements of God's law. Remember, breaking God's law. For the commandments say, the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not commit murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments, all commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. So by loving your neighbor, you fulfill the full requirements of God's law. You fulfill all the other requirements of the law and the commandments. Galatians 5 verse 14 in the ESV. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Now, if the whole law is fulfilled by loving your neighbor, then would it be safe to say that the whole law is broken if we don't fulfill the commandment to live in love? Well, let's consider the Pharisee that we learned about in today's tithing message, who was doing everything right. He never committed adultery, never lived in sin. He prayed, he fasted, he tithed. He fulfilled all the commandments, done everything right. But he looked down at the tax collector, persecuted him, loved him less. And he had all the reason in the natural to dislike the tax collector. But anything less of love is failing. And this Pharisee never loved him. He fulfilled all the other laws, but he broke the fundamental commandment of love. And thereby, having done everything else, he failed by breaking the most important commandment of love. So family, there you have it. The two reasons Jesus gave why many Christians and ministers will miss heaven is number one, not knowing God. And number two, breaking God's laws. And both 
of those are love. Loving God, loving your neighbor as we love ourselves. May the Lord help us and give us mercy, family. Well, family, that concludes our message for today. From next week, we will start stitching you up. And God willing, I'm going to teach you some incredible revelations that the Holy Spirit showed me on this subject. Truly, it's life-changing. You cannot miss it. And we thank God for these wonderful and powerful revelations of His Word. This is His Word and His revelations, His messages that He entrusts me with to be a voice, nothing more. So awesome and amazing Father gets all the glory for this wonderful journey. Family, I'm learning just as much as you are and just as blown away at how amazing Jesus is and His incredible Word. But before we end today's message, I don't know about you, but I was severely convicted and I need to clean house a bit. I need to make right with Jesus Christ. And if you, like me, want to make a commitment, fresh commitment to Jesus, pray this prayer after me. Say this. Say, Father, I come before you today and I recognize that I have failed. Father, I repent. I'm so sorry, Lord. Please forgive me for all the mistakes I've made. Your word says I must love my enemies. And if I can love my enemies, then I can forgive them. So I make a choice now to forgive everyone that has ever hurt me, harmed me, or disappointed me. Please forgive me, Father, for unforgiveness. Please forgive me, Father, for hatred. I reject it. And I thank you that you will help me on this journey of love. Help me to be a trophy of your love. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to love. Jesus Christ, I make a decision to make you the Lord of my life. I believe in you. I believe that you died and you rose again. And you are my Lord and my Savior. And I will live to serve you. In Jesus' name. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Family, from myself and the wonderful ministry team, we love you. We miss you all. We look forward to seeing you soon. Don't miss next week uh, next week's message. Love you. Take care. God bless.